0: Psalm 133, a mere three verses, and in the New King James Version, verse 1, it says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. it is like the precious oil or ointment, anointing oil, upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron. Now, when we did a study on Exodus, virtually day after day, during the time we studied together some time ago as a church in the morning calls, we remember how the Ointments and the consecration items were fabricated exactly according to God's instruction. And how the priest, the high priest, the first high priest, Aaron, as well as his sons, were installed. And what God said to do, everything had a particular meaning. It wasn't mere ritual. It was not pomp and stance some kind of magnificent display to exalt a human being. It's God Almighty giving instruction for Moses to do certain things when he installed his elder brother Aaron as the first high priest. It's tremendous meaning in everything. And one of the items on the procedural list was that the precious ointment, the anointing oil would be put on Aaron's head and purposefully it should cover him completely. It will stream down. And so it's written here running down on the beard the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. Now verse 1 talks about how magnificent it is for Brothers and sisters, to live together in unity, oneness, in agreement, in peace, in fellowship. And this is a picture of that fellowship, this unity. And it's written in verse 1, it's a wonderful thing, good, and behold, how good. Exceedingly good and pleasant for the people of God to live together in unity. Now, Israel was a community as well as a nation. But you know what? Everyone is related to each other. Because after all, the nation was made up of 12 tribes, which came from the 12 sons of Jacob, the son of Isaac, who was the son of Abraham. They're all related. And In the passing of time and generations, they spread apart even more genetically. And they had their own place of dwelling within the camp when they moved together and then permanently in the land of Israel. Particular pieces of property were, were allotted by God himself instructed to Moses and Joshua to make sure every tribe gets what God has given to them as a permanent settlement. They were related, and yet with all the people, millions of them, and generations passing, now to the time of David, this was some three or four centuries after they actually came into the land. And so you have people who, again, are distanced genetically because of the passing of time, marriage, etc. And yet there's a unity not just based on genetics and uh, familial factors, but this is spiritual unity. So it's a wonderful thing. That's how the psalm starts out. The second verse introduces a comparison, a simile of sorts, a metaphor. This is like that. What is like that? Oh, We're talking about the unity that we see, which is so beautiful in the people of God. It's like something. What can I liken this to? Why? it's like the precious oil that came down on the head by being anointed running down on the beard the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments what a comparison it seems like nothing's in common there one is talking about a group of people and the second thing is a specific individual experience a unique one for the first high priest, no precedent before that. And it's talking about anointing oil while he was anointed, how it flowed. Well, the oil and the anointment or the ointment used for the anointing, they would have certain fragrance as well. So this liquid that would flow naturally carried also a distinct quality and fragrance. It's precious. It's very significant. It's very consecrated. And it's flowing down Aaron's face, down to the edge of his garments. It's all encompassing. So we go back to verse 1. The unity between the people of God is something very precious. It's very unique. Why is it unique when other people unify too? It's unique because the Holy Spirit has united people from all kinds of backgrounds. They have oneness And they're part of the same family. Pastor made a statement the other day in one of the meetings. It seemed to be a statement in passing, but it carried eternal significance and it was very weighty. And the quick statement she made, which appeared to be in passing, should have stuck with us because It had to do with our relationship in the body of Christ. She spoke about our earthly family and she said that family is not going to be like this family. This is the permanent family. Isn't that amazing? Has that ever dawned upon us? As much as we love our earthly family and we're most familiar with them, God's truth and revelation uncovers reality and the reality is we will not be living forever with our earthly family, but we will with each other who are born again. Unless our earthly family members are also born again, in which which case they're part of Christ's family, Christ's body, and we will live together forever. But only if they're born again, according to God. God says the family of God every person bought by the blood of Jesus is the permanent family. The earthly family who do not become part of God's family will cease to be family. In that context, how precious it is. We're actually the forever family. Every believer on the face of the earth, whether the person lives all the way on the other side of the world or Right here, within our church, every believer, and it's written in the book of Ephesians, of whom the whole family in heaven and on earth is named, the Father's family. So we have family in heaven already. All of us. Every true believer is in heaven with God right now. That's our family. We're related to them. Isn't it amazing? That when we get born again, we're grafted into the vine... Israel, the believers, true believers in Israel, and Gentiles, one family. So we have family. People like to say, I have family down south. I have family in that country. I have family just immigrated over there, or they went there for work over there, down there, across there. But we have a whole bunch of family. Each one of us have real family in heaven, as well as on earth. It's a huge family. Now, while we're here together, the truth the truth in Revelation is what we're looking upon with our physical eyes when we see each other, do you realize? This is our forever family, according to Christ, according to God. Now, if that's the case, that we're going to live forever, I mean, there's no... You know, I'll be there for a generation maybe, 50 years, you know, parents and children, maybe 20 years. Who knows? If someone is particularly blessed with longevity, maybe, as I've heard of some couples, they're married for 70 years. Can you imagine that? Living with someone for 70 years? Husband and wife? Every day. Why? They become somewhat of a permanent fixture in their home. And in their sphere. Every day. That means if the people were married in 19... 20, of course they stayed together married until 1990 seven decades I mean they went through the depression they went through the Korean War they went through the Vietnam War or part of it actually all of it I'm thinking 1970 they went through the energy crisis of the 70s they went through the Reagan era in the 80s I'm talking from the Western standpoint American standpoint And we can apply that wherever we live with the history to our particular location. But just to think of that, seven decades together with one person in a covenant relationship with marriage. But in the scheme of things concerning eternity, it's but a speck. It's but a vapor. It's gone. 70 years gone. But the people that we're looking at face-to-face in the church, we won't live with them up there in heaven for 70 years. Not even for seven generations. We're going to live with them forever with each other. Doesn't it change our perspective a great deal on how we should treat each other and how we should be so happy and excited? That these are the people hallelujah this is my real family permanent family in that sense now our hope is that all of our earthly family would get saved in which case they will be with permanently too we will live permanently with the people born again while we're on earth the bible says The unity that is between believers is very distinct and unique because the Holy Spirit, the Creator, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all part of the Godhead, the Trinity, and they all are involved in every work, including creation. This word unity speaks of Likewise, all at once, together. It's a deep unity. It's a unity that cannot be broken by any force of evil. It's a unity, listen to this, it's a unity, it's a oneness that will not be broken by death. When people get married, as much as they love each other, it's till death do us part but in this family famil- familial or familial or family relationship we are together beyond time itself nothing will break this relationship from the outside the only way it can be broken is if one chooses to leave the family which means they are leaving the father but we believe as we keep praying nobody would be snatched by the devil and lured away and coming back to the text it's a unity that is forever now that unity is so beautiful it's good and pleasant furthermore it's like this precious anointing oil what does that mean Well, if the metaphor should warrant considering similarities, the secondary aspect is used to describe the first aspect. That unity in the family of God, the brethren, it's like this anointing oil, which is holy. It's consecrated. It's very precious. It's holy. In fact, God told them, no one must replicate the compound that I've told you to make with the particular ingredients. If you do, if anybody tries to duplicate this, that person will be cut off. They'll be killed. Very sacred. So precious. I mean, God is very keen on protecting the family of God. Hallelujah. Oh, he hates disunity. He hates division. He hates carnality carnality and flesh and, evil and sensuality. Uh, carnal wisdom, as James says, it's from below. It's carnal. It's fleshly. Sensuality is not referring to sexuality. It's referring to carnality. This demonic move to divide And to put down and to uh, assert authority over, to push to the side and despise. All those things are hateful to God. He's very protective of his family. He won't let any devil come near his family. However, because of our own choice to stay with God, we can go and get a devil. But we should know how God feels about the family of God and make sure we keep the devil out. We stay intact. We understand how precious this unity is, this relationship. And we say, Lord, thank you. It's a beautiful thing. I want this. God loves it. He put it in the book. He described it as that consecrated anointing oil. that went on the person in the garments that are holy. The priests were required to wash. They were required to bathe themselves before they put on the garments. Not your own uh, regular shower or regular bath. This is particularly because they're about to wear the holy vestments given to them by God through Moses. Everything had to be holy. Everything. If they weren't holy, they're put to death. But do you think Aaron trembled? That he may make a mistake and he's going to fall and he's worried about his flesh? Oh, no, no. He's in the presence of God. He said, this is what I meant. This is what I've been privileged to be. Yes, Lord. Yet he was careful. We need to preserve the unity as we know from the New Testament, the unity in the bond of the spirit. That means we should be thinking what the spirit of God wants us to think and only that and have tremendous love. The Bible says not just regular love, it says fervently love each other, Peter says. The very one, Peter, the one who asked Jesus, Lord, if my brother offends me, he sins against me, how many times does a guy get to get away with it in a single day? Seven times? That's a huge number. Maybe Peter got upset over the first time. He said, okay, let me stretch it a little, Lord. Seven times? That's a whole lot. I guess I can try. So no, 70 times seven. This man was transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit that he actually penned under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Have fervent charity. Intense commitment to protect one another, to pray for one another. Think the best of one another. At the same time, be a person who will bring holiness and love to the table. Because we are following God. You see, when that happens, everyone comes together. That unity is very precious. It's consecrated. It's holy. And one person who is walking uprightly will be able to stir the fire. in the next person who may not be walking so uprightly, Say, you know what, this is, this is the standard actually. I need to follow the standard to preserve this precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even as Aaron's beard, even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts of his garments. Notice the second, the next comparison. As the dew of Hermon that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Herman's up there in the north, Mount Hermon, Snow Peak, all the way up there. And that's where the division of of the waters from that side make up the Jordan River and it comes down this mighty rushing river. But Zion is down here in the south. So scholars read this and they have their own take on what it could mean, but without being a scholar, anyone can read the Word of God and look to the Lord at faith value. Do of course is that condensation that happens. Uh you have water droplets, we know all know that, especially overnight. It's precious because it's a source of Water, which can water the ground, the crops, is precious. It's uh, pure. It's coming from the snow, when it relates to Hermon up there, Mount Hermon. So, that descent of that dew, that's a long descent. You have Aaron, where the descent of the anointing oil is maybe about five feet. I don't know, five and a half feet, however tall Aaron was. Six foot. But this is thousands of feet. There's a perfect completion here. It's enough to cover a man that precious ointment And this precious dew of nature is enough to cover a huge mountain. We have a family of God locally, but we have family everywhere across the globe. Each one of us has family everywhere across the globe. Everywhere there are true Christians, we have family. We we get that concept down strongly. It will change our lives of how we pray and relate to the family and get to know God's heart. What's His plan? And you know what? All of those millions of people across the globe who are true Christians, they're our permanent family. We'll all go up with the family who's gone before us. The body of Christ will be joined together in eternal Dwelling. Zion is in the south, Mount Hermon is in the north, Zion is God's city, it's another name for Jerusalem also, or the city of David. You see, the Bible speaks about a highway of Zion, highway of Zion, the children of Zion. This man was born there in Zion, city of God. On the one hand, you have the mountain that's there, a physical entity. Then you have not only a physical entity, but a spiritual entity Zion, which is describing the people of God, as well as the physical mountain there, Judea. What does this mean? You have the anointing oil, then you have the dew on these two mountains. They're all pleasant. What do they have in common? They're all precious. They're all pleasant. And to help us understand what unity looks like to God, it's as precious and fragrant, flowing, life-giving, all-encompassing, unique, bond that God has made between believers for there the Lord commanded the blessing even life forevermore from the city of God now the new Jerusalem is going to come down from heaven the new Jerusalem is four square and I believe it's some 1600 miles square including the height and that's huge that's about half the united states in distance but also height we I mean, think about an airplane 30,000 feet up in the air uh, a few miles But this is 1,600 miles, and people have tried to draw this. When they do that with our current dimensions for our Earth, inevitably, the height of it goes up into space, into darkness. It's uh, not proportionate to the Earth we know, but then there's going to be a new Earth, new heavens. So there are many things that we don't know fully, But it's absolutely spectacular. And uh, though the new Jerusalem that comes down out of heaven is called the bride. Come, let me show you the lamb's wife. That's what the angel said to John in Revelation. Well, if the city that is so translucent and shining, so beautiful, unlike anything we've ever seen, a city prepared for the people of God, the new... Jerusalem, but also the people of God are called the bride of Christ. It's interesting. The other day I was talking about Hephzibah and Beulah. I was talking about the people whom God delights in, Hephzibah and Beulah, the land, married to the land. How God, even as I'm speaking now, the New Jerusalem itself is a place, it's a location, it's an it's a, a geographical bounded home for all of God's people, forever, with God, right there in the center, forever. That's a permanent home. And yet the home is called the wife of the Lamb, and so are the people. The inextricable, inseparable connection of our dwelling place being intimately connected to God as well as the people, something deep and profound. I I can only imagine if we continue to press on with God how he'll show us more things regarding that. just too high for us the the knowledge but it's amazing how God is so concerned about the land not just as an occupational place a place to occupy um, but it's, it's something that he's very very passionate about how much more the heavenly place getting back to the psalm we are the people of God the Zion of God We hear Jesus saying daughters of Zion from the prophets. Daughters of Zion. Oh, daughter of Israel. We are the Israel of God. Along with the Jews, Gentiles were saved also. Born again Jews and born again Gentiles. Together make up the bride of Christ. And so we have Jews and Gentiles. Now, it was prophesied in the Old Testament, but rather hidden. But now we know. We have family in Israel, all of us. We have family in New York, particularly Brooklyn. All of us. The Christian in Africa, who's never left Africa, as well as the Christian in the Middle East has family in Brooklyn where there's a large concentration of Jews not just because they're Jews but I'm speaking specifically about those who are born again I know Messianic Jews who live there or used to live there and have ministry everywhere we find believers we're connected to them not just because we like Christian and we talk Christian we literally will live with each other in the same city forever and ever. So anyone wants to know our address? Permanent address, as you see in the forms? What is your permanent address? Maybe in the tax forms too. The New Jerusalem. Oh, we're not all going to be in one room. The Bible says rooms. In my father's house, there are many rooms. But it's not going to be uh, Pittsburgh, comma, or Toledo, comma, Jacksonville, comma, and whatever other country. It's going to be the New Jerusalem. Hallelujah. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts of his garments, the holy garments, as the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Unity brings life. Life brings unity. God's spirit gives us unity. And when he sees us unified, His spirit works powerfully. Life abounds. We become life-giving ourselves. That's how precious it is to God, the unity. It's fragrant. It's beautiful. It's strong. It's life-giving, life-promoting. God is pleased. It is blessed of God. No wonder in Acts chapter 4 and other places, when the believers were gathered together, the apostles and others, The place was shaken. And what they asked, God gave. Stretch forth your hands through the name of thy holy child Jesus. Just signs and wonders, Lord. Set people free, Lord. That's exactly what God did. How? Or when? When they were unified. Nobody had a private agenda, contrary to God's will. Everybody was on the same page. We're alive and breathing to magnify God, not to build our empire, not to come and see what I can get from God and go away and do what I like. No, I've come to die to myself completely. I'm here for God. Let's build, Lord, the body of Christ. Hallelujah. Let's build a dwelling place for you, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, let's build your kingdom. In order to be a kingdom builder, We've got to stop building our own kingdom. Absolutely. So, the prosperity that we have, it is all pointed north. Heavenward. Everything we have, everything we do, everything we invest, ought to be for God's glory. When that's the case, every believer is like that, the unity will be indeed very precious in the sight of God and he will do spectacular things. Now when he blesses the church as a whole, individual people get blessed tremendously too because we make up the body. Praise be to God, glory be to God.